That's your t-shirt now, don't I? This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Good morning! <laughs> You're already can't. chuckling. It never uh, gets old. It, it no, that's why old. it should always happen. What an uh, introduction. Should have started uh, from 30, though. I agree. 30, <laughs> right? All yeah. the powers. It, so Patrick, like we said, every show is he's doing the full TV count in. But um, hi, Travis. How are you? It's good to see you. Doing good, Matt. Good I'm glad here. you're not dead. Thanks. You too. I see you've taken my advice on flaring and uh, you're sitting. That's nice. I'm sitting. I mean, I got off way easier than you. But um, I was joking earlier that we should have an injury episode because we have you barely walking. I think Jared's insides probably just hurt from his dietary. I actually you know, have things. had a lot of trouble the last two days. Hot I'm dogs. sure you've noticed. Hot like yeah. I just keep kind of bending over. Gastrointestinal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's real. It's been real bad. I have a ripped up knee, and you have a broke femur. Yeah, a broken femur. Yeah, but for it's th- held together with some titanium and screws, so I'm pretty good. For those that don't recognize that beautiful Australian accent, that is our other. Freestyle motocross writer J.O. Archer. Uh, I, I don't know if me a yeah, I don't think we count you as a freestyle guy anymore, right? <laughs> oh, You've transcended to race car driver, yeah, right? Rally driver. I still I ride motorcycles for fun, but there's a difference between trying to do triple backflips and falling from 100 feet in the air and then breaking your femur, even though you land on an airbag. Yeah, I mean that that takes skill. And I mean, look at him. <laughs> I, I've never seen anyone bend a pair of handlebars on the takeoff. So his first time trying to triple. 28 foot tall takeoff. He hits it. We call it our third gear ramp. But for us old guys, third gear is two strokes. Two strokes have pretty much half the power of a four stroke. He's got a 450, double the displacement. Hits it third gear wide open, which I told him to do, but I meant like, you know, on our old guy, two strokes. <laughs> hits it so hard, oh, no. the handlebars bend. Now he's got a little more upper mass than I have. I mean, I'm, I'm close, but you know. <laughs> His bar bends. So as he's going up the takeoff, and now the airbag, it's about... 50 feet wide. That's 25 feet on either side of the ramp. So as the bar bends, all his weight goes off the side. He does a perfect backflip 360. He's on the top, ejects the bike like 80 feet off the ground, lands like almost on the the roof, and he somehow (laughs) makes it back to the airbag. And he goes, oh, my bar's bent on the takeoff. I'm like, bullshit. Your bar's bent when they drop from 80 feet. So we got another pair of bars, did the same thing. He went through all the different types of handlebars. I've never... Dude, I've really? broken bikes in half. I've never bent the bars before. I think I went through like, seriously, nine or 10 pairs of handlebars in a week doing <laughs> learning triples. So, you gotta lay off the bench press, apparently. <laughs> well, we, we got a new ramp that Travis actually designed, a new ramp. Uh, the radius is a little bit better and it's a bit smoother on the bike. So I can hit that thing completely pinned in third gear and I've never bent a pair of handlebars. If so. you're pinned in th- third gear, how, how fast is that, you think? Six fast the bike will go in third gear. Yeah, so I know that asshole. <laughs> 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 no, sorry. When JT came over, I was I like, it. I was like, just pin it. Because you keep saying pin it. What's pin it? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I'm gonna say maybe 80 kilometers an hour. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Speak American, oh, man. God. I was gonna say, I don't know what that would be. Dave, miles, what's 80 kilometers an hour? Oh, 28 miles an hour. No, Thanks, Dave. It's like 50. <laughs> like, it'd be like it'd be it'd be about 50-ish, I'm guessing. Yeah, but still, pinning anything towards a 28-foot takeoff the new, is... The like, new one's... Um, the new, new ramp we have is, is nine meters tall. So, um, 20, convert yeah. that to feet. I don't know. She's big. <laughs> but it's it's got a constant radius. Yeah. So, we had a, a tighter kind of top angle on the old ramp to more compression. So, it would kind of spin the bike. You know, working with physics and stuff here. Yeah, nitro science. science. Yeah, yeah, science. Science. Nitro science. I, but I think that's the biggest misconception. They think that you're somehow a physics major and you just kind of go, well, try that. 
Yeah, about three quarter. <laughs> is normally what, how do you hit it the first time? About three quarter. Yeah. Jo, he doesn't know three quarter. I just yeah. Well, it's a big ramp, so I just hit the thing fast. Right. How many <laughs> How many people have successfully completed a triple backflip on a in motocross? There's only two that have ever done it uh, to an airbag. I did like two and three quarters straight to my face, and I was so scared to try it to the airbag again after you know peeing blood for a week and thinking I broke a couple ribs. You pee blood I just, a lot. I do. Life. It's kind of like a common. Like, <laughs> yeah. Probably too much. I, I love how the, the first thing you say to me is like, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't pissed blood in two days. No, it's, I really, it's because it's been four months now. Hours since you've it's been it. four months already since your injury? I don't know. When was January? Yeah, yeah. it's been yeah. like four That's months. good math. Yeah. May. No. Quick math. Quick. I just, round guesstimations, really. <laughs> My life. But I mean, he essentially could wear a base rig doing this trip. Honestly, I, at 100 feet, it, you would get some kind of slowing. I mean, there's guys that have, have done. You need a PCA, though. Someone else would have to be next to him. So when he's messing up, you could, like, you know, help Hold him. Hold the pilot shoot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Pilot shoot assist. Yeah. Well, I mean, luckily, though, since we've had this new ramp, there hasn't been any handlebars being bent. So I've been keeping it, keeping it straight. Yeah, but how'd going. you break your femur? Well, it's a, it was actually not so much rider error. It was um, the... Just the situation, but the airbag had a bit of probably a bit too much air in it. Um, and when I landed, it kind of just bent me in half. It just stuck rather than release. Yeah, sort of. So basically, my it folded me in half like a deck chair. So my feet came up towards my head, and the front of my helmet, the chin piece, is actually what broke my femur. What? So my helmet broke my femur. It's good to be hard headed. So I basically broke. I broke my own femur with my helmet. <laughs> Yeah. So, but this is why you need a, a good team around you in, in general. And that's what it's not a solo sport because when you're doing something, yeah, like, and it takes so much strength to be able to pull a triple, I would know because I didn't have enough to, to really get it around. It's not only pulling the bike, it's keeping the bike with you because it uh, just wants to go straight. So, you're pulling yeah. 250 pounds kind of in a reverse curl and you want to keep that as close as you can yeah. so it stays in a tuck. Um, but you're sore, you're thinking about your entry, you're thinking about your speed, you're thinking yeah. about everything, you're getting the ramp set up just right. So someone else's job is supposed to be to keep, you know, the airbag basically at the right level. Because if you go jump a bunch in a row, right, the airbag will get deflated more and more and more. But if you, you're looking at video and you're going over stuff, the airbag will slowly kind of fill up to where J.O. landed on it. And just someone on the side hadn't been kind of releasing that air to get it to. Because your job doesn't matter. Everyone says, oh, it's a foam pit or it's an airbag. No, you're dropping from 100 feet in the air. I mean, the airbag, yeah. it still hurts. Yeah, when you hit water from a, a certain distance, it hurts. Like, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's, it's not like it's going to... Just one of those things, though. It's not like, you know, it's not anyone's fault. It's just kind of the nature of the game. When you're doing things at that height, there's always, there's always things that can go wrong or you can get hurt. So it's not like, no, it's not really anyone's fault. It's just like, you want to do the big, the big stuff, you got to be willing to... Um, Push through a bit of pain every now and then. But. Did, did you get injured while you were working with us? Yes. Oh, shit. This is not a good, you know, right? Travis does right when he comes on board. DJ's <laughs> <laughs> good right now. DJ's doing great. He's going to kill us for that one. Yeah. It was only recently, though. But, um, but yeah, like Travis was saying, there's so many things with the triple that you've got to do, focus on. And for instance, from the time I take off, um, the time I hit the ramp, there's like, four things in my head that I need to do before I get there. And you now one of those is hooking both feet. So I hook my feet underneath the gear shifter and the brake pedal. Okay. That way you're locked into the bike. And then I But roll. if you hook your feet and then you readjust, 
it drops the gear, it picks up That's another right. gear, it hits false be, neutral. There's all be, kinds of stuff. You gotta be there. careful. And then for for my throttle hand, if I was to ride normal and with this sort of body position and absolutely in the throttle as much as I could, I'm gonna be like this. So when I pull, I'm gonna go, you know what I mean? It's not gonna be a straight pull. So I always roll the wrist forward so that I can get 100% max throttle on the ramp and I still have a decent body position. That way I can keep the bike. And one thing and that I throttle learned, position is actually supplementing your, your, your absolutely, flip, Absolutely, right? yeah. But it helps more as the, throt- as the rear tire's in the air. Like you can kind of drop, yeah. especially right as you get that zero gravity arc. So your goal is to get two flips on the way up and you're, you know, it's probably about 70 feet above where the top of the takeoff is. And if you can get it here, your goal is to then re-throttle which drops because that drops. pulls the rear tire down right as you hit that zero gravity point. I'm going to nod and pretend I fully <laughs> understand this, we'll but this is really intriguing. No, this well, is intriguing. I learned a lot though from Travis with, with um, things like that. Like what not to do. And, <laughs> but like one thing, that, um, one thing that's hard with the triple is obviously you're pulling so hard off the lip, but it's then staying central on the bike because it's super easy to be actually pulled to the front of the bike once you start rotating because the bike's coming one way and the, your body physically wants to go that way. So you got to kind of switch your core on a lot and kind of tuck in with the bike like that. And that way it keeps it going. And you can actually, I figured out almost how to, and Josh Sheehan does this, speed it up, speed the flips up. Normally the first, second and third get slower and slower and slower. So the third one's just coming around as you're dropping, free falling, but kind of figured out with a few different techniques and body position, you can actually you can almost keep, well, not speed them up, but keep them going the same speed all the way around. So that was one thing that helped me massively. Okay, so I have a question then. Which is more terrifying the first time you did a single backflip, a double backflip, or a triple backflip? Triple backflip. Really? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Even yeah. though you've done flips where you're just like, just, yeah. just, is it well, kind of, because you have the full send, right? It's full, full yeah. committing the to scariest, the. Scariest thing for me was obviously to warm up to the triple. I did a, a bunch of double flips, but I'd be, I'd be pulling as hard as I can, doing two and then ejecting in the air and then going and looking at footage and going, okay, I had done two by the time I was here. Can I do it? But the scariest feeling for me was like the first time I've done two and I'm still in the air and I'm like, all right, stuff it. I'm hanging on. And there's like that split second. And if you take, if you hesitate for like a tenth of a second and you don't know if you want to commit, you're right, it's done. You're over. You ain't going to make it. We call it a a safety check. So the hardest part, like when you do a single flip, you commit and that's it. You're on the takeoff. You only have to commit once. On a double, you go around and you're looking at the ground as you're going up. Right. So you're just seeing the ground fly away and you're starting to almost starting to come down and you're taking a 250 pound motorcycle and you're pulling it around again. Now on a triple, you hit the the takeoff at, you know, freeway plus speeds on this 80 degree takeoff, which is like, you're just all the G forces you can possibly stand where your body wants to buckle, especially like me personally, because I'm just not that strong. And when you hit the top, you got to get the pop just right. Now, if you get that just right, that's only your first third. So the second one, you got to recenter, pull it around. And if you get to the top, you are now at the absolute peak of your flight. You're 80, 90, 100 feet, whatever you are above the ground. And you see the ground. Now, if you for any time relax or stop getting that pull just right and you hesitate, then you're probably going to die. Like, I mean, not to an airbag, but if you're going to a landing. So you have to commit to this three separate times. And each time it's a little bit different because not only that, on the top, when you're ready to do your third flip, you're looking, you're you know, literally so high above the ground, which you first time you really see that height. Right. But you go, okay, the next time I see the ground, my wheels are going to hit it. So 
I've done the first two flips as hard as I could. Now, did I do them better? Did I have more adrenaline that time? Did I get a better pop off the lip? Did it, did it come in worse? Do I have time to open up or should I keep pulling? And if you keep pulling, the next time you see it, if you got a perfect pop and a perfect snap and a perfect pull, <laughs> then you're going to land on your butt from, you know, 80 feet in the air. So it's not doing, it's doing all of this right and committing to all of this and knowing that you're way higher than you've been on like any other trick you've ever needed to do. And then having the whereabouts to be like, okay, how fast do I need to make this last rotation, which goes blind as you're falling out of the sky? Sounds terrifying. Because I mean, imagine if you like half pull that, that bike's landing on you at 80 feet in from the air and you're dead. Like I've done, you're, I've done that a heap of times. Really? Like, in learning, yeah. Just to the airbag, but a bunch of times before I'd figured out, you know, new techniques or throttle control or whatever. Um, a bunch of times I'm like, yep, I've got it. I've got it. And I hang on and I literally just land completely on my head. Done it. I did it at your house as well, Trav. And I giggle. Like literally two and a half to my head, <laughs> to my brain. <laughs> no, and you think everyone's like, oh, it's an airbag. I totally do that. I've been knocked out a bunch <laughs> of times doing it. Yeah. yeah. Air, airbag's rough, man. I got hit in the head with the swing arm once as well. When I was trying triples on a smaller ramp, I was, um, I was hooked into the gear shifter, like, you know, click and hold so I could stay to the bike. And I was doing two and I'm like, nah, not this one. So I went to bail, but my boot was stuck on the foot hook on the gear, sh- on the gear shifter. So as I bailed, my leg and my boot still being stuck to the bike has pulled the bike down on me and the swing arm hit me in the side of the head. And I was knocked out for like five, five or six minutes or something. Now, just something else to think about here. Now you're hooked to the bike. Yeah. So you're sure you're hooked. But if one foot comes out, all of a sudden you're doing a knack. You're spun 90, yeah. 180 backwards. Now you don't know which way you're going, but you have so much centrifugal force. If you, like, I've seen a guy on a double flip take off and he bailed off in just kind of the right, wrong spot. And the bike flew 50 feet out of the foam pit. So yeah. you're actually holding this bike in this one, you and the bike, the, the center is in between you and the bike. So if you let go, you get flung or the bike gets flung, depending on where you are on your rotation. Interesting. So if you are that high in the air and you got to think like Josh Sheehan, when he did the triple flip, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. He was only going, he was going, you know, almost hundred feet in the air and he was going 20 feet in distance. So oh, if wow, he bailed really? out at any time was like, got yeah. scared and like, oh, I'm not going to make it. So even if you decide you're not going to make it on the first flip, you're like, oh, I missed my pop. You have to stay with it because if you eject, you go all the way to flat back behind the takeoff or on the takeoff <laughs> or out in front of the airbag. Yeah. So it's, there's, there's a lot to it. Yeah. I think grip tape is one thing that helped me as well. I got some really coarse grip tape, you know, along the whole side panels of my bike. And that's one thing that kind of helps you grip with your knees. It's not, it's not perfect, but it definitely helps with, with keeping your feet locked in because it's so easy to go into a Superman position because your legs, they do want to fly out. And it's like, if that happens, yeah, you're in big trouble. What, what, what got you specifically into like motocross? Because you, you have to be a crazy person. Like Travis is a crazy person. I know that. Like, <laughs> Coming from military. All right. Yeah, crazy no, like this is way more terrifying to me to, to try to do a, a triple backflip. No than, one's like, shooting at us. Yeah, but that's, gotta... that's, that's, more, that's more fun. You get to shoot back. Like, you know, I don't know. Nah, you that's guys easy. Are, you guys are crazy. Um. <laughs> it's so funny the, the way that the brain works because me, I'm like, if you're like, hey, we got to go hit a target and run at bad guys with a gun, I do that all day. Like, or were oh, you okay. saying... Do a triple backflip into the foam pit. I'd be like, give me my gun and send me to Syria. But <laughs> Matt, if you asked me to, to go through, well, you were the one that like breached the door, right? I yeah. Mean, that's yeah, kinda, yeah. yeah. If you asked me to do that, I would get knocked out trying to breach, <laughs> breach the door. So yeah, it's different. 
Well, well, you don't have to backflip into the door. You actually just walk straight oh, into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we've we got a lot of respect for what you guys do. But I think in certain ways, it's a very similar mindset, you know, to really push yourself to areas that are not comfortable, whether it's you know, busting in a door and you know, <laughs> confronting a lot of bad guys or trying to do a triple backflip. You're still going to make yourself uncomfortable, but that's what we love for some reason. We love that feeling. Makes so, you feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but to, it doesn't. <laughs> to answer your question from before, I think to what got me into motocross was yeah. um, my dad just bought me a bike when I was four years old and I started, obviously, just like most other kids start, start riding and enjoying it. And then I started racing um, motocross from at a pretty high level from when I was six to 15 years old. And then um, a buddy of mine, Cam Sinclair, he's a X Games gold medalist and double backflipper from Australia, legend. He, um, we used to live together actually. So I kind of really looked up to him and guys like Travis, um, you know, and a bunch of people like that that I'd see on TV. So I kind of just wanted to, I didn't really decide to do freestyle. It wasn't like a plan I had. I just slipped into it. I did my first flip when I was 14. And then um, I was still racing motocross, still racing Australian titles and stuff like that. So I didn't, it wasn't anything I planned. I just kind of fell into it and started enjoying it. <laughs> and then one one thing led to another. As soon as I, did the double backflip. It was like, it was, I think it was that day. I'm like, all right, well, let's try to do three, I guess. <laughs> Natural. <laughs> well, one two. more. It's like me, like with whiskeys at the bar, just one more. <laughs> well, it's, it's also like this, like you've done an Aussie roll on a dirt bike, which is two backflips and a 360. He accidentally did that when he bent the bars. I was, yeah. I, I was so pissed off. Like he lands, he's like, oh man, what a, I was like, it took me literally, I started doing, this on like a trampoline, like a double backflip, but half in, half out on a trampoline. It's like a backflip 180, front flip 180, basically. Okay. So you kind of spot the landing a lot when you're on like a trampoline. And then on a bicycle, BMX bike, I kind of do similar, which is, you know, so you just, you're always kind of looking like with skis. Like, you know, you see the aerialists, they're always looking at the ground. With a dirt bike, I spin as hard as I can. I flip as hard as I can. And it doesn't really start spinning until you're halfway through. So I try to do a backflip with one full twist. The problem is, it's almost impossible to do, you do like a backflip and then you do a 270 and then you start flipping again. And I'm like, well, it would be easier to do a double backflip 360 than it would be to do a single backflip. And I was already doing those on bicycles. So then it took me 15 more years of, of practice and convincing myself that <laughs> my stupid theory that everyone else thought was just cockamamie crap <laughs> was actually going to be easier and more consistent to try a double backflip 360 than a single backflip 360. Now, the problem with this was I needed to go way, way higher because a dirt bike, it doesn't rotate on its, it rotates around in a flip pretty quick. The, you know, with the wheels going the same direction. Yeah. But when you try to take it and spin it, um, if you ever taken like a gyro or anything and you try to move it while it's going, it just wants to kind of go straight. So yeah. it's everything it has. So you do a backflip and then basically a 270, you spot your landing and right at that zero gravity point, you basically square up your shoulders and drop again. Well, he bent his bars, hit the thing way too fast. First ever triple backflip attempt. And he does a perfect backflip 360. So now all I, we really need to do is get bars that give out on the takeoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit it way too it's fast. Oh, he's got it. Give me a set of bent bars to start off with and we can just go from there. <laughs> my work. Well, well, I was there I when you landed that one. But also my, my point to that is, is anyone going to ever do that again? Oh, for sure. It's, it doesn't matter. Who's trying it right now? Okay, well, you got to think. <laughs> when you think of skateboarding, you think of Tony Hawk, probably. You think of the 900. And you're like, oh, dude, the first one to ever land a 900. There was an eight-year-old at my house that was warming up with 900s, trying to get 1080s for the competition that he was going to. He does 900 on back-to-back -back walls. 
Crazy. It's eight. Wow. And I'm not, you know, the ramps have improved the, the board. I can't imagine the board's got that much better. I don't know a lot about skateboarding. That's kind of my wife's side of the, the family. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, riders get stronger. They get better. Like we didn't think a flip was possible. So growing up, I never worked on backflips. Now the kids that are trying to get into freestyle motocross, they're doing starting backflips at three, yeah. four years old. They're doing backflips on the ground. They're doing twists. Yeah, well, I think it's the progression of any um, like pro sport. I mean, like the same ways with MMA. Now you have eight year olds who have better techniques hitting mitts than I do, right? Because they've they've seen the sport. Their parents have, and so much evolution has happened over the last 20, 30 years. I think motocross, skateboarding is all the same. Because like I remember Tony Hawk landing that nine hundred because I was a skater boy. Um, you know, I listen to Avril Lavigne, of course. <laughs> That's what I was saying. Who doesn't? You, oh, you have to say that. that. You yeah, just yeah, have, yeah. You have to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, same thing. It's crazy that what these kids are doing now, and I, I, you wonder what in 10, 15 years the what sport is, will look like. What is a bunch of crazy like? people yeah. like you? you know? <laughs> crazy well, people, you'll, dude. <laughs> you'll see the athletes are going to get stronger. Like, I mean, even if you look at football back in the early days, or True. you have to the bikes get faster. Um, the they get lighter. Lighter. Uh, yeah. The wheels, the, the rotating masses get get lighter, so you're not moving as much around. The ramps are getting bigger and bigger. And what we learned when we were first starting to try the triple, I mean, I've been working on it since 2008. I've never done it because I'm just not as talented and realized that I was scared shitless um, and decided that I could make my kids as an excuse to like go we back. We get it. You're humble, but right. okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> long, long story long, um, I'm just right. doing that for myself to I try don't. to feel like I'm... <laughs> Not going to go and try a triple when he does it next time. But Definitely uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but at the end of the day, we had to figure out a landing that Josh Sheehan, he was like, look, we have a flat bag, but if I land like this, I'm going to loop out. You know, I, we have to figure out how to get a, a softer landing on a hill. And what's been interesting is you have all the different, like now snowboarding and all the different Olympic organizations are calling up, you know, Nitro Circus and being like, okay, how do we do this? What do we do? What did you guys use for that jump? And now airbags have gotten so much better. And the technology there, you're able to, what we thought we needed, we don't need. You can only, you know, you have a two-foot airbag and that impact will save so much. We had, you know, it was eight-foot bag and it was hard to ride out of. And we had a couple of guys that were breaking shoulders and collarbones trying to ride through the bag. It would just, you know, basically shit whip into the ground. Damn. I mean, it seems, is it fair to say, because like Nitro Circus, what you guys have accomplished over, I mean, how, how long has Nitro been around? Um, 2002. 2002, yeah, I was going to say 20 years. Um, it seems like a lot of people probably come to you because the evolution of the sport, Nitro did a lot of that. I mean, you look at some of the stuff you're doing with the adaptive athletes. What'd you do? We Fuck that sign. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, you guys, you got people doing double backflips and wheelchairs and shit. Like, you... you you guys are like pioneers of stuff that's never done been done before, at least in my eyes. It's it's truly amazing to watch. And especially some of the guys have got injured and then are given the opportunity to get back up and do what they love in a different way. And and you how you guys support them. It's pretty cool to see that. No, well, everyone always says, How do you get these riders to do this? I said, no, it's it's giving a place. They're gonna do it anyway. But since the time I was a kid, all I wanted to do was ride dirt bikes. I wanted to have uh, you know, we had the mattresses like that old movie Rad, you know, on the landings. And we had mulch piles and whatever we could to soften up the landings. And as the foam pits came and progression came, we realized we could start flipping and twisting. I basically built the compound back in Maryland to be the safest way to possibly progress, to have as much fun as we possibly can. And not to make it a video game, but to be able to, you know, crash and get up and try it again and try it again. And with that, so many of the best athletes in the world, whether it's 
scooters or BMX or mountain bike or motorcycles, they, if they want to do something that's never been done, usually I'm the first call. And a lot of guys even, it's kind of got this almost mythical place where if you, if you do something at my house, or even if I do something, people like, it's almost not real. And I don't know how to explain that, but so many have come to the house, learned how to do it, got all the measurements and all the, figured out all of the foam pits and the airbags and whatever they needed to make it work. And then gone and built it somewhere else because literally people see this place as they played on, you know, old Moto Tracks video game yeah. back in the early 2000s. And it just doesn't feel real. And I think that's what's really neat is growing up and making a place that literally is what my dreams have always been. And uh, to see so many kids, I mean, there was a, you know, 11 year old girl that, that came in. It's cool because she, um, you know, just wrote to Lindsay, my wife on a, you know, Facebook and Instagram and her mom had reached out and, it's like, I want to come over this when she was 10. She's like, I can do a backflip. And with social media, it's where it is. People always say, how can I get on Nitro Circus? How can I get, dude, if you're doing something that's never been done or you're pushing yourself or you're, um, you know, trying to do stuff that, you know, just pushes kind of your genre of whatever that is. It doesn't matter. You know, Nitro is never about being cool. It's about being innovative. Yeah. yeah it's about yeah. trying stuff that's never been done. And now with social media, there's a way to get anywhere you want to go to do anything you want to do. And she came out and on her first day, she was doing backflips in the foam pit. An 11-year-old girl rode out of a backflip and she's tough as nails. She had a couple of really big crashes. Now we have the airbag. She wanted to go to dirt. I'm like, look, get some more practice. Like as crazy as we all sound, like the last thing I want to do is see anyone get hurt. And I think that's why, you know, Nitro Circus, we have a lot of, caught a lot of flack when we first came out with the airbag landings. And they're like, oh, that's not real. I'm like, maybe not. But instead of going 30 feet in the air, we can now go 60. Yeah. So if we can double the amplitude and you still got to ride out of it and I'm not watching my best friends go to the hospital every day. Yeah. They still make mistakes. Yes. Stuff still goes wrong. There's nothing that can ever make it fully safe. And I don't right. think it should be because it's action yeah. sports. This is what makes our sports, you know, uh, that's what separates. Have you ever seen this in person yet? Like the place in Maryland? No, no, no. I mean, just have you seen a freestyle like legit no, I mean, I've watched a so. lot of freestyle on no, on YouTube, but no, wait, not not in real wait life. Wait until you see this, like in person, it's not real. Seeing a seeing a motorcycle go eighty feet in the air. My first World Games, I was like, "What is going on?" Yeah, I have a like, feeling like the, the wide <laughs> lens of the the X Games or something doesn't, doesn't capture no, the magnitude of the. And trick. then when you see and hear it and watch what they're doing with these things, it's out of control. Like unreal. And you know, we're a couple of weeks away for his first run. He gets to, he yeah, gets to see the, the mecca. <laughs> yeah. No, this is cool. And I, I just want to thank you guys so much for just everything you're doing for the community and, you know, coming out and working with different guys, uh, Walter Reed and all the um, kind of different. Um, yeah, let's, let's actually, let's talk responders. about that. Yeah. So when we're this just saying, crazy. I get to see your spot for Shauna land for the first time, uh, Memorial or yeah, Memorial day weekend. Yeah. And then, so I believe you and we're supporting the function, but talk to Walter Reed. We're getting a bunch of wounded guys and veterans, veterans out there and we're going to host an amazing event. Thank yeah, you for we'll, allowing we'll us. Events, uh, yeah. jumped on board and it's, it's cool being East coast in Annapolis. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of organizations doing a lot of really cool things. Um, but coming in, you know, as you talk to JT and the coolest part about being for me, being black rifle and being, um, you know, my father was a Marine. His father was a, was a, cook on the Navy. Uh, you know, he actually fell off a ship in uh, World War II. Anyway, a lot of long stories there. <laughs> did they find him? Yeah. They did. There's okay, good. <laughs> he, he had his shoes after two hours. Okay. Over. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> but, uh, you know, being around, you know, Naval Academy is a mile from my house and just 
Uh, my best friend ended up uh, joining the SEALs and there's a lot of military and just kind of that mentality around there. And a lot of what I love to do is, is very, you know, kind of similar to what these guys are doing when they get out, you know, whether they're, they're hurt or not hurt or emotionally or physically. And to come in, you know, with Black Rifle support and be able to bring in Tim Montana, um, you know, to put on a rad concert and be able to get these guys on the, on the Can-Ams. heard and- one horseshoe might be showing up too. Really? Yeah, that's, that's what yeah. we heard. The legend says they don't, will they be don't open up songs. for anybody, but yeah. we, we heard. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's really cool at this point in my life to be able to, you know, bring in guys like J.O. who are still like pushing the bounds and to show people, you know, everyone's like, oh, that looks cool on TV. And they get there and just jaws drop. But then we have, you know, we got four wheelers and we got, I mean, over my whole life, we've basically made this a playland for adults that still want to be kids. Yeah. And it's awesome working with you guys who want to bring out a lot of these kids that have watched Nitro Circus or, or, you know, whatever through their lives and to be able to give a little bit of a little bit of smile. It's pretty cool. Well, that's awesome. I I think last time you came down to the office, it was funny because we, there are a lot of celebrities come in and out of the doors here. And then I think you were, there was mad hype in the, in the PRCC crew when they saw you, they're like, is that Travis Estrada? Can I get a picture, please? I'm like, relax. Eventually. (laughs) Once he's on payroll, maybe. No, No, uh, like, like you, you, you kind of dream this thing up of bringing, bringing the guys from Walter Reed out. Like I, the, the pure enjoyment for me is going to watch the look on their face when they ride for you, ride with you for the first time in a can Like, yeah, there is no other experience like that you guys will have. Like, this is, this is like nothing you've ever done. Because it doesn't uh, he, seem you see the smile real. I've been in with BJ, right? Yeah, so like, yeah. So you know oh, yeah, when like, a professional yeah, like, is a professional. Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it surreal. is true. It's surreal because we talked about this when BJ was there, but like he he teed me up pretty well for it because he was just like it, a lot of people freak out, and I'm not the type to freak out. But there is a level of just accepting that you don't know how the fuck you're doing that, that thing right there. Yeah. So I'm like. I, we should be upside down, burning and, and dead right now. But yeah. then the, the truck is just coasting through these things and you see a mound. I'm like, oh, we're going to flip. And it just like floats right over it. So it, it's cool because <laughs> when you get out, you're just that endorphin dump is so awesome. You're just smiling. You're happy. You're, it's, so I'm, I'm super stoked for some of the guys to ride with you, like in the Polaris and everything. The, the people I like taking the most on rides are people that think that they are the best drivers oh, in the world. Yeah. And they watch yeah. it on TV. They're like, <laughs> so, I jump bigger jumps than that. I crush you. <laughs> And it's so great because those guys, they get in, they they're scared. <laughs> and all of a sudden, where they'd normally hit the brake, you're still on the gas. And where they'd normally be like, oh, we're going to die. You just pitch it in and back it into the corners. We have a 130-foot jump that on TV looks, you know, or on video, it looks yeah. fairly small. But the takeoff is like, that's like 40 foot tall. I mean, it's, it's nice and mellow. But we've got what we call the family wagon. So we get my you know, kids in the back. And then, you know, you put someone in the front. And they're like, oh, okay, we're just going on a family ride. And you hit this thing at, you know, it's 50 miles an hour and all you see is sky and you can't see the landing and you're, you're not that high. You're only 10 feet off the ground, but you follow kind of the contour of the ground for about 130 feet. And as you're going down and all you're seeing is sky and trees, you're like, oh, is it? We just died. <laughs> We're done. Yeah, yeah, we're done. Yeah, yeah. And it lands so smooth. It's good. Yeah, that's great. That's I, I, I want to capture people that get to go to, uh, go through that, like right after they come back oh, yeah. on camera. Yeah, and we just have that just GoPro so, facing yes, right in on their Yes, because the first time you jump in, in, in a side-by-side, it is like, doesn't make sense. You're like, oh God, oh God. Like yeah. <laughs> Even yesterday on, on the, the track out here. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's so fun taking people to jump for the first time. Like you in the, my scariest moment of all time was in a trophy truck. 
because I'm used to motorcycles and we're going down. So there was a, a whoop trail right yeah, next whoop. to the freeway. And the whoops were, I mean, they're four or five foot whoops. Like I couldn't get across them on a dirt bike. No way. We're doing 110. And uh, Andy McMillan, he goes, you ready? I was like, for what? And he just jumped the oh. truck off the freeway onto the whoops. I'm like, no oh, way. this is, we're going in and we're coming out. We're cartwheeling till the next state. Yeah. <laughs> and that thing just, it got in and it got back up. Like, oh man, I definitely. So when you're out of your element, it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the best reference I had for a trophy truck was, so I, I have a T-Rex and then BJ bought a T-Rex and he goes, get in my T-Rex real quick. I want to take you on the whoops. And I think we were going 36 miles an hour and it was just beating the living shit out of us in that T-Rex. It's like, oh, it's like the best stock performance vehicle you can buy on the market. And then when we get back in the trophy truck, we hit the same whoops. And he's like, we're going 112 on them. And you're just floating on them. Like, yeah. it just, it shows you yeah. but don't, that there's levels to the Don't game. hit them at 60 though. You're going to have a bad day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, we hit pretty hard on one, but uh, yeah, that shit's fun. I'm excited to, can I ride with you out there? Yeah. <laughs> I would say you could drive your own, but uh, he made it to the first turn before he rolled. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's one thing everybody knows about me. I don't, I don't drive because I'll crash. Yeah. I flip razors all the time. So yeah. I'm good. No, you'll have a blast. Like, like it is, it is, you, you, you get to be with the world's best. Yeah. And then like, you're like, oh my God, like this Can is Can I get so on your real. back and we backflip together? Absolutely. Well, I want to do a tandem double backflip. Stick <laughs> <laughs> to the same. Yeah, we'll go with the single. We'll go with the single. But no, no like, I'm so excited to be involved um, and just to be at Pristina Land while these events are going. Well, yeah, and so you gets... recently joined up with Troy Knight, who's an Australian yeah. combat controller, so, special yeah. operations veteran, so, and he's now involved in so veteran doing, outreach in Australia. Awesome. stuff for the veteran com community in Australia, which has been awesome, man. I've been able to meet some some pretty amazing, you know, people that I highly respect. And, you know, we're in, we're in different worlds and we do different things, but we just have so much in common and get along so well. So. Um, yeah, Troy's been a really good guy to um, become friends with. And I was lucky JT hooked me up with him. But, um, but yeah, back to going back to Pastrana Land next week, it's going to be amazing. And, like, obviously for, for all these guys jumping cars and doing crazy stuff, it's going to be cool. But even just, like, just the excitement when you get to go to Pastrana Land. Like, I remember I've been there once. And when I arrived, Travis was actually not home. But when I arrived... I'd never been there, but I, I used to play it on the PlayStation on MTX Motor Tracks. And I've seen all the Nitro stuff. And so I got to Pastrana Land and it was like, I already know where everything is. I know the foam pit's there, the shed's there, the compound's out the back. But like just the sheer excitement that you have, like I don't think, I'm pretty sure I had a smile on my face for like five weeks. And I got knocked out a couple of times and stuff. You still had a smile. Still though. had a smile. Still had a smile. Still had a even when he's knocked out, he's like, yeah. hey. But like, just, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be so awesome just to see, um, there's going to be a lot of people with big smiles on their faces and, you know, just to be able to go there and experience it and, and meet all the guys. It's, you know, it's something that I'm even incredibly like passionate about. And I'm so, so happy to be there. I'm excited so, for you to see like the crazy thing about the freestyle moto world is like, there are these crazy athletes but they're the fucking nicest and funnest group of people to be around because they're all rooting for each other constantly. Right. So when you yeah. see them do the demo on Sunday because they've got a bunch of a bunch of the best riders in the world coming out to demo on the last day that we're there when when they have all the the wounded guys out mm -hmm. to, to watch, like it's crazy the energy that's going around because these guys they're they're like pushing each other but they're helping each other awesome. and it's wild to see. It's fun to watch. That's one cool thing about the <laughs> you know the freestyle motocross community is. 
at the end of the day, we're all great friends, you know. We, we all get along. Yeah, but they're all competitors. Yeah, <laughs> like, but they're we're all, all we're, friends. All, we're all competitors, <laughs> but you know, we we want to see our mate learn something new, or you know, if you can if you can teach them something, you know, what goes around comes around. Like we're you know we're lucky that we are competitive, but everyone helps their mate you know learn something new. Or and I mean, Travis is probably the best example for this. It's like back when you were competing in X Games and stuff, you used to want to let your competition come to come and ride with you at your compound. Like, that's, no, well, that's also of. secretly I could learn what they were doing. But that is unheard of. And that was, that's, that's just, you know, Travis, like wanting to build the sport and, and not just being, not just wanting to go and win. It's like, I want to win against the best people. We, we want to be, we want to be learning and building the sport. And I think, yeah, like JT said, we're all, it's a pretty cool atmosphere when you get everyone out on the same day and kind of f- uh, feed with each other as well. You see someone do something cool and then you get like, oh, I'm excited now and you keep getting better and better and better. <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty bloody cool. Well, I mean, for me, I mean, it's awesome, you know, what Jared and I put together, just even Black Rifle Coffee being a part of, you know, motocross freestyle rally, the whole thing, just seeing, um, and, and it seems as if the sport and sports has been fairly accepting of the brand participating in it because, you know, 100%. a lot, a lot of good people in there and then, Obviously, people can't ride on any platform if there's not sponsorship money. So, from from that perspective, it's a pretty cool thing to to support some of these these legends like you, Travis. Like you're, well, it's amazing. You're working with us. I'm so stoked on it. Dude, couldn't couldn't be more just stoked and proud to to be with Black Rifle. I mean, what you guys represent at the end of the day, it's living the American dream. It's work hard, play hard, and you know, you guys. It's so cool now wearing Black Rifle hat. So many people come up. They're like. Oh, it's so good to see yeah, that. I love Black Rifle. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but it's something I never got with like my other sponsors. Like it was a flight attendant was on the plane the other day. And, you know, she came up and just her excitement, her general. I'm like, oh, do you ride? She's like, what? That's a very strange question to ask. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, motor, I thought you knew who I, no. Black Rifle. Yeah, I know. I guess this is this is your first show since you've changed flags. No, that's <laughs> what's really cool about you know, kind of you guys in general. It's just everyone says, you know, what I mean, like Red Bull is known as kind of maybe the leader in action sports. Where yeah. back when I joined Red Bull, they were similar to where you guys were. Other, you know, it's an Austrian company, but it's still, um, you know. The owner goes out and Dietrich, he gets a, you know, gets a MIG and just wanted to have fun. He's base jumping. He's, you know, just how they kind of branded and marketed. Um, and you guys are a lot in the same kind of vein. Like, hey, how can we go have fun with like-minded individuals? And how can we give back to the community? How can we take what we've done and be able to make an awesome product, but also be able to build up America, be able to build up the sports and the people that are that are here that we like. And even... You know, some Australians as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, mate. <laughs> and a lot of that I think for us is like, I really want people to have the takeaway of like I- inspiring people to keep living life. So, cause so often you have like the, the D1 football syndrome. And I use that as an analogy to like military is you serve your four to eight years, you get out and that, that's it. That was the thing you did and you hang your hat in that for the rest of the, your life. And I think, you know, getting involved with like, motocross and all this other stuff. It just, it inspires people to get back out, maybe go jump out of a plane again. And we have to remind ourselves to do stuff like that. But it's it's really cool to see, you know, people that didn't have a lot going on, the guy of the military, and then they start hanging around with the brand and all the, the associated people. And they start fucking living life again and getting in the gym or and just having yeah. fucking fun. You know, this, 
we're all going to die. So it's like, you might as well ride this just bitch enjoying, in a little bit. Just enjoying yeah. life. Yeah. So, <laughs> so interesting with rally, but that's what a lot of people are, you know, like JT, who got, he's like, I love rally because I can go out and, you know, your general bl yeah. blue collar worker will go out and be able to participate against the Ken blocks and, you know, the Brandon Seminocks and the top guys in rally. Yeah. And you race on the same roads that they race on and to build this sport on the grassroots level. And to give so many people an opportunity that come and they're like, oh, well, I can't race cars or I can't do that. And you're like, well, literally you could get in, you could get a $5,000 car. Mike Glover is a perfect example. Dude, Glover's doing awesome. <laughs> killing it. I think he came in thinking he was going to do a little better that, that first round, but he's buckled down and he's worked so much harder than I've seen anyone. And he's like, I, he's convinced, he's like, I am going to be the world's greatest rally driver. And you know what? With his attitude and the amount of work that he's putting into it, I don't doubt it. It's impressive because this is his first season. Mike Glover, everybody knows. Yeah, Phil Crestervile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and last, uh, the last race in Olympus, oh, he, he got third place he in his, third his place. class. <laughs> class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Third, still, still. His third race ever. Good but, job, Mike. That's pretty impressive. That's good. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's living up to what he says. He put his money where his mouth was in the essence of, I want to do this and I want to be good. So we put in the work. Put the work be, and you'll to get be there. Good. That's right. Uh, but, I mean, but it's the fact that you can do it. And that's yeah. like, I mean, I know you guys like NASCAR and Noah Gragson and um, it was Bass Pro. Like there's a, it's a lot of really, yeah, Ty, of course. There's a lot of really cool things that you guys are doing. But I think a lot of the stuff that I'm doing specifically with JT is what can we do that's reachable? What can we do with the people that are like us? What can, you know, the, the military guys do? What can the division, what can the, the football players and the athletes and what do they do when you know, so many, so many friends in action sports that, you know, they were good. They made decent money. And then all of a sudden they're 28, 30, 35 years old. And they realized they're like, well, I, did, I didn't go to college. You know, I guess I'm construction, which is awesome. That's what my family does is construction. But what can I do on the weekends, you know, even as a weekend warrior to come together with my friends where I have that same camaraderie. When we're on Nit the Nitro Circus Tour, yeah, there's guys every day that they're riding with, with broken bones and we're going out and you could have a, a wheelchair next to a sidecar behind a four-wheeler in front of a side-by-side. Yeah. -side, and everyone really trusts each other, as silly as it sounds, and not to even remotely say that we have any idea what you guys have been through. But you trust your friends with your life. And winning is actually winning. It's a, there's a success. It's a, it's a monitored thing. And when you get out of um, sport, when you get out of the military, I found it really similar. And the guys just, they're missing that camaraderie. Like, yeah. uh, winning doesn't really mean the same thing as it did when you're competing... Um, you know, in, in sport per se, it doesn't necessarily, the things that you're doing don't have that same excitement. It's not life, life or death doesn't mean life or death, but you come out of here and you can pick your level that you want to get in, but let's find these grassroots sports. And for me, I don't care if it's racing a five horsepower Briggs and Stratton or 900 horsepower Subaru, like the, the feeling of that competition is what drives me. And there I feel like that's the same for yeah. a lot of the people. Well, so yeah, so to kind of fill you in on more stuff that we'll talk about over the course of, of the rest of today and things like that is what him and I have been trying to figure out is next year doing something that anybody and anybody can enter and compete against us. So like we're trying to find something in motorsports that could be like, hey, the veterans, you know, at Fort Bragg at 82nd guys put together a team or... Or hey, everybody come comes together. You know whether that's yeah, a. It's like uh, it's like the idea of like the flag football where you went to a base and then they got to build a team and try to beat you. But obviously, yeah, something yeah, or in, it's like in, a minivan rally. You know, yeah. under under a thousand dollar car. Or you know, Texas yeah. Dave had a great idea of the cool. Coleman motorbike that you can buy at 
at uh, the tractor supply that's in the box. You, box. you, got, was, no, you got to put you it together. You have to put it together. Before, that's, that's the time. Go. <laughs> oh, that's great. And then you have to complete like an hour's worth of laps and whichever team gets gets the most wins. So it's like these things that... that the you're going to lose if you go to like Arkansas because they're yeah. going to be like, oh, my uncle's got the <laughs> hammies. Barrier to entry is not expensive, but it makes you go out and form a team of five to 10 of your friends and go and compete against the world's best. But everybody <laughs> thinks you're the world's best. Everyone has a street bike Tommy that every time they see a video, they watch NASCAR, they're like... Put me in. I show those boys how to drive. You know. It's, yeah. It's, sorry, I always do like country accent yeah, because that's hey, most of the guys that, yeah, that okay. really believe. Oh, that he does right. too. I'm, I'm a Texan. It's not offensive. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> uh, now, shifting gears, literally, uh, we recently were in Eloy, Arizona, skydiving, which I hated. I kind of, I like really? it now. I, you know, I'm, I'm indifferent. It's like I. I've I've been watching Skydive videos since I got back, and now I'm like, oh, I want to do it again. And and he got hurt on jump two. So wait, how did jump one go? If you like, that seemed like a or jump one. Jump era. one. It was first solo. Yeah, yeah, jump one. But I, I jumped again after. But you had a broken tailbone. It wasn't he, broken tailbone. It was just severely had to prove severely <laughs> bruised. Of course, I got the standard uh, from all my friends. I didn't break it because I'm used to getting pounded so hard, you know, the whole nine. But, right. yeah, it's, you know. Wouldn't have gone there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Now that you brought I, it up. Now, yeah, 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 it's okay. Yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll take it on the chin. Wait, that doesn't, that doesn't work at that. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. That's icky. No, skydiving's fun. Yeah, for sure. But I'm glad that, because uh, you, because what, what, what injuries did you fully sustain, if you don't mind talking about it on your base jump? So I, I'm always a little confused, but I, so I, I hit the ground and I didn't feel like it was that hard of an impact. Um, you know, adrenaline's going and it, everything kind of slows down, but I hit and I went to stand back up and I just felt everything move and I fell to the ground because my dad always said, he goes, when you hit the ground, get up. And if you're broken, you'll fall back down. And he was right. That's one of the most <laughs> true things he's ever said. So I fell back down and then I felt my, my belly was getting really warm. And the first person came up and said, ah, how you doing? I said, up, oh, shattered my pelvis and I'm bleeding out. And they laughed. I said, no, no, like I'm doing fine, but we should probably go now because I, I definitely shattered my pelvis and I'm definitely bleeding out. So I called my wife who I didn't mention that I was doing the, the base jump. She's not really- Just a big admitted fan. that one out? I, mean, I, I told her they might have something like a couple months before and then I, I yeah. forgot. Pay so for I, you know, forgiveness, not ask for permission. Yeah, <laughs> so now it's going to be really hard for any few. Anyway, so going to the hospital, um, they put in a catheter right away, which I found was, was very strange. Like I'd always been out when they did that. And they're like, oh, with these injuries and they did the, the x-rays, they said you have a broken, uh, what was it? Broken L5. Multiple Damn. hip and pelvic fractures. So I don't know Shit. if that's like two or like 12. It could be anything. It could be anything. <laughs> yeah. And then um, the tailbone was broken from top to bottom. So oh. they had to screw the tailbone in. Now, which was really interesting was when I came out, this, uh, the doctor that was there, uh, he goes, man, I didn't really understand. He's like, it was like an anatomy class because you already had fused both your SI joints. I was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, that doesn't happen. Like we just had never experienced that. So he goes, yeah, my, my buddy over there, uh, he was, he had his whole weight on you. He's a big feller. I'm like, yeah, he's like 240 pounds. He's like had all his weight on there. It's like, wow, he really is fused. He's like, that's going to help so much because with it fused, normally you have to wait as my pelvic went, it shattered far enough to rip my urethra, which was actually kind of the the oh, biggest no. problem. Oh, Travis got a dick rip. Yeah. Dick and then rip. he had two dicks. Oh, so then they put dicks. in another, another hole for me, which was, which was nice. Enjoyable. Nice. So I had two dicks for nice. a little bit. Two dick. Two. Nice. Yeah. Um, two dick Trav. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, they, they took it out just, just fairly recently. Uh, I, was, I was actually happy. You're back happy. to solo. That's okay. Two DT. Two DT. That's what we call it. Two DT. Two DT. So, uh, yeah, but at the end of the day, it was like, okay. And then, so they said, if you're running 101 fever or above, that means the tear, tear in your bladder is, is significant enough that you have like basically uh, crap yeah. leaking in there. Yeah. So I ran a 100 point, like between five and eight for three days while I had seven blood transfusions. And they're like, nope, not 101. You're fine. How, how, so <laughs> blood transfusions, you're awake during this? Yeah. And no. they're just like pumping you full of blood? You just got a bag and it's just, just an feel IV. like an IV? Yeah, it's real simple. Um, yeah. And that was a base jump. So, well, here's something that was pretty interesting. And this is, I found out the first time I, I shattered my, my pelvis. Um, I landed, I was my 15th birthday. And I went in and every time I had enough pain, like they're like, move over here. And then I'd pass out and then I'd just be over there. So I've never really been worried about experiencing more pain because I, I know that my body can only tolerate X amount. Yeah, the, and then it just, my threshold, it just shuts down. So I'm like, I've already experienced as much pain as I'll ever experience. So, and then I realized something else in this last one, which they thought it was, they brought in a psychiatrist when they asked me in one morning, because they did, this was after four blood transfusions. Um, I stayed kind of stable for a day. The next morning they woke me up, you know, at whatever, every three hours. And they're like, how do you feel? I said, I'm, I'm dying. And I'm like, but I, I don't feel bad about that. I just like, I'm like, everything's kind of happy and I'm just, I'm like, I'm dying. So you're, they brought in a psychologist. Well, so what, what, let's, let's, let's unpack that a little bit. Is it just because the way you felt, you're, you felt like you were, you were leaving? Like, no, you're, like you're... I was basically, what I should have said was, hey guys, I'm bleeding out, I think, because they were poking me with stuff. They were doing everything. And I was just like, could barely open my eyes, but like, I was totally, I was just okay. Like nothing really hurt. And I'm like, man, this is kind of nice. I'm like, what kind of drugs do you have? I'm like, you haven't really been on anything. I'm kind of allergic to most, like everything gives me a headache. So I try to okay. stay off of, which has been a kind of a blessing in disguise for just the occupation and seeing right. friends go down, you know, the painkiller okay. route yeah, and yeah. stuff. Um, so I always try to stay off of that. But yeah, it was like three days into the thing and I, everything was stabilizing. And so they brought in a psychologist. And then as the psychologist started talking, I was like, no, no, like I'm, I'm, something's wrong. I'm, I'm dying. They said, well, you said you felt happy. I'm like, I do. Like nothing hurts. This is the best. Like I'm good. And then they're like, oh shit. Like you need two more blood transfusions ASAP. You're down to a, you're down to a <laughs> 2.5 or whatever you're supposed wow. to, you know, at fours, like when they give you your blood transfusion. And I was like, no, I didn't mean I wanted to die. It just meant like your body, <laughs> it can, yeah. so I learned. You guys need to fix something. That's it, crazy. It only <laughs> tolerates so much pain before you pass out. And after you've gotten your blood to a certain level, or I guess an oxygen to a certain level or whatever happens. Yeah, I've seen friends like that just tired and just kind of like have some water and then, you know, well, damn. So you came back. So I, I had, I, yeah, I was in a hospital and a lot less. Yeah, see, every time I tell a story. No, 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 no. no, no, I, no. I'm just trying to say I understand what you're trying <laughs> no, to communicate. No, like in, in the military community. Every story that's like the gnarliest story that everyone outside the military community is like, wow, you're really messed up. That's so like traumatic. And I say it. And then someone in the military community says something that's just like exponentially more gnarly than yeah. anything that I've With ever. With no emotion. No, like, oh, no, no. I just, oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Need yeah, that's just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to stop talking. Yes. No, no. I'm like massively intrigued. Well, so that once you got. Did, did they find internal bleeding and then that's why the blood transfusions weren't sticking and they had to come in and do some internal surgery or how, what was like the point where rehab kind of started for you? So they were 100% correct. Like I had, I had some tears. I had a lot of internal stuff that was bleeding. Everything was basically just getting bled on top of my bladder. Like I had a blood clot in my bladder to start with, which is 
when they took that, that's when they put the catheter in because I couldn't go to the bathroom, which yeah. kind of sucked. But uh, um, yeah, so after they did all that stuff, um, it was bleeding on top of the bladder, which I had to pee. So I was actually really happy that I had the bag for a while um, because, you know, even if you have a big night out with the boys um, and, you know, you normally have to get up like two or three times to piss. Oh, yeah. Yes. I just, I just put a bigger bag on this on my leg. Nice. Yeah, you, you, put a, you put a two-gallon bag. <laughs> you're like, I'm good for the night, man. Just pouring out natty light. You know? Yeah, exactly. Then, then here we are four months later, and you're back to walking better than J.O. right now. Which isn't saying a lot, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, I'm I, working on it. <laughs> I was, and I'm not going to dime out who it was, but there's a rumor on the street that the one of the first people that got to you, your first words out of your mouth were, Where's Matt Best? I need to give him the RTD. Tell him to come here. Yeah, that, is that true? No. Well, you. Why, where were you? I yeah. wasn't there yet. I flew that, in. That I flew was, in that afternoon. Sorry, what, he or was, I would have been there that, to like play. Oh, film that it. Yeah. What he was yelling. Uh, pretend that before, crashed before he got up and realized things were shifting. Oh, that no, is no, what no. he yelled. No, no, I, I, I knew that already. <laughs> that is, I got up like I was like, all right, we've got a few minutes here. <laughs> And we should really finish the scene. So I'm not sure this hotel is going to let us back in here. <laughs> like we first priority, let's get this movie done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's well, that's true professionalism I'm right there. If you knew you had a pass, I feel like before we're back. Being so, yeah. being out at Eloy when we were like, and that first time they opened this door, and I've done this with the military static line thirty plus times. Now here we are at fourteen, fifteen thousand feet. I have two parachutes. And I still didn't like this. You went out with none. Have you never seen Point Break? <laughs> Come that's on. Not, that's Johnny not science. You did it. That is not science. <laughs> I saw it. I watched it happen. It was a happen. film, possibly green screened. <laughs> like well, like right. how? Like, were you not at all? You ran nothing through your head of, uh, maybe this doesn't work. No. So I actually went to Red Bull at the time. And I was like, hey, I got this great, like, Red Bull gives you wings. I'm like, this is, a, this is the best ad campaign. <laughs> so they immediately pulled everyone that was in the Red Bull, Air, Red Bull Air Force, which is pretty much a lot of your top skydivers. Yeah. And they said, do not help this man kill himself, <laughs> which was nice. But now, of course, I'm still going to do it. So now I have to find people that weren't Red Bull or... People and country, I think you need to add into this. <laughs> right, well, so we... Yeah, not there yet. But, so I went, I got another JTAC. Um, military, I'm like, never leave a man behind, of course. So we got Plammer and I met this guy and, you know, he was still pretty heavy in, in military stuff and not really doing jumps like full time for an occupation. And then I found some tunnel rats, some guys that go to like iFly and stuff. And the one of the guys, he only had like 12 skydives, actual skydives, but he had like millions of hours in this tunnel and he was just Timmy. He was absolutely amazing. This kid was, was so great. So I had to go a little outside the box to find people that didn't rely <laughs> 12 skydives. Okay, so a guy that doesn't have his license. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 the, the and, and attack P. And attack P. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then a guy named MX who just like really liked motocross that was like, all right, I'll film it. MX. <laughs> yeah. Like, what a nickname. Yeah, MX. no, he's a motocross guy. Also, you gotta love him. Yeah. yeah. So, so we got there and then I brought them all up to my house and they're like, all right, let's see if you can skydive. They're like, okay, you're not great, but like, you know, you're good enough to do this. We could basically drop an animal you? out. Yeah, me personally. Okay. You know, I was not a great free fly. Like I yeah. spent some drunk wind tunnel time and some stuff. And, you know, probably had a couple hundred jumps at the time. Um, some base jumps and, and stuff. You know, enough to think that I'm okay, but not good enough to actually get anywhere. Yeah. But these guys, these guys were great. Especially the tunnel rat who had 12 jumps. 
That guy was amazing, Timmy, man. Um, so we go and we're asking around the different, uh, you know, drop zones and everyone's like, yeah, no, we couldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. So we contacted our buddies in Puerto Rico and they're like, yeah, we'll do it. It turns out territory of the U.S. still F- FAA is, is everywhere. And it really got in a lot of trouble later that we found out, but, you know, had to get a pilot that may or may not even had a pilot's license at the time. So, you know, like we just... We, we were a little bit out. He was, just, he was just running like cocaine across the border. And then he's like, I just yeah, want to take a skydiver for, for 2012. Okay, grand. so imagine I approach you and I'm like, I want you to do a stunt. I've got a guy that may not have a pilot's license, a dude with 12 jumps, and one of my TACP buddies. You in? I'd say call Travis Pastrana, not me. <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. So, this was all self funded. So, like most great ideas. Like, especially at first. Now it's careful what you ask for because people are like, oh, yeah, sure, they'll, they'll make it. But especially at this time, I mean, this is. This is 15 years ago. We had some success, but, you know, so it was like, all right, you know, I've always been the type that's like, all right, if I believe in something that's going to be fun or something I want to do, like, let's figure out a way to do it. So basically it's bribery all the way through and you get some people that don't have a lot to lose uh, in, you know, I, and they'll chase you to the ground, you know? So we get down there, it's, it's rinky dink little, you know, field airport, everything. And we, we take off, it's over the water. Um, we do one test run. And I tried to get away from these guys. I like did the best that I could. So we get out at like 12,000 feet and I dive out and I'm like, just trying tracking to get away. I'm tracking, I'm flipping and I get stable and boom, clamor freaking he's on it. And there's no way to make this sound not, um, anyway. Homoerotic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he tackles me, we link up, mm. he hooks on. So, so wait, first, this first jump, you actually have a shoot on you. Have so you're going to go through the whole entire iteration of hooking up and him essentially tandeming you on the way on under canopy, right? There's just no way, but yeah, yeah. That, that's yeah. exactly what happened. So, and then I released um, and pulled my own shoot and we landed and they're like, well, I guess it's like, it's it worked. like we, <laughs> you tried as hard as you could to not make this happen and we got it figured out. So we went up, but the problem was the second time I should have had like a blanket or something. I didn't think about it. You know, in Puerto Rico, it's fairly warm, but it's pretty cold. So was, Were you in Puerto Rico or Panama? Uh, Puerto Rico. Oh, Puerto Rico. Yeah. Okay. We, we we're still territory. The US. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Hi. dude. So you got so Hi. cold in the bird, didn't you? Hi. And you're like, fuck it, I'm jumping. <laughs> so we got to 10,000 feet and we're making slow progress because now we got two extra cameramen in there. So it's taken from, we're just circling at like 9,500. 9,510. I'm like, all right, 10,000, we're good enough. So I took off <laughs> and I did the same thing. So we like, who needs guys, an extra 4,000 feet? Who needs an extra feet? 20 yeah. seconds? Jeez yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're fine. Um, so anyway, yeah, it, it all worked out. So I tried to get away and then I did an arch. I did everything wrong and it, it but they, they caught me. And that's like, you know, military. Never leave a man behind. They you were wearing a climbing rig. So it I wasn't a, even a, a harness. Oh, I had a rock like, climb. Yeah, like a belt. Oh my God. I like a tool belt. <laughs> and, and then, then socks, belt on. Socks, <laughs> socks are important. Um, I don't uh, know why. I just you put socks on. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I socks put, on. Well, my feet were cold. I haven't watched the video in a while. Warm. It's just pretty normal. <laughs> I should have had gloves on after I thought about it. I got my hand, everything was just frozen. So. <laughs> How did it feel? So once you got hooked up, you know. Uh, so I let us go back to the, the yes, first. You please. know what scared me more than anything? Like I wasn't nervous. I knew these guys had it. I'm like, look, this is pass or fail. I'm not going to feel anything either way. I know that's just, that's a very morbid way to look at something, but no, like, that's totally acceptable. It's not like if I mess up a jump on a dirt bike. You got like a couple seconds of fun and then it's going to hurt really bad. Yeah. Like you got to learn, you got to land, you got to try to kind of land like and land mm-hmm. or just get really unlucky. But jumping out of the plane, I stepped out and I thought, 
this feels really normal. Like I actually kind of giggled a little bit. And that's what scared me because Matt Hoffman, all time hero, like legend, the Condor, BMX, like he was the original, like he's the guy that pioneered X Games before X Games existed. He's the one that kind of got it there. And we were walking somewhere close to a cliff and he's, he wouldn't walk. I'm like, I never thought you were scared of heights. He goes, I'm not. I just, when I get close to the edge, I just want to jump. And I was like, man, that's, that's like, that's next level. That's crazy. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. That's kind of what most people would say. But I jumped out and I thought, oh, shoot, I'm at. So that like, it'd be Hoffman. Yeah, I'm yeah, Hoffman, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm I Hoffman. love this. Yeah. I, this is awesome. I'm and you right. did it with the Red Bull anyway. Dude, yeah. So at the end of everything, no one this day and age, they watched that, that video and everything that 99.9% of the comments, it's like, can't believe you littered a Red Bull can. And I did in my, Defense, I planned on jumping out, putting it in my, like, basically in my underwear, in my bathing suit, and, and going down with it. But when I jumped out, I giggled, and then I got scared that I giggled, and I, I dropped can. You know, so I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to litter. No one likes litter. <laughs> I, I think one Red Bull can, you know. I think it's okay. I think we're going to yeah, be for okay. The stuff. It's for the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, last question. I'd be like, so how, how was it under canopy? Did you feel secure? Were you kind of like, oh, crap, like I got to hold on to this guy because that the rig was a little... Uh, all right, so let me go back one step. I miss so many steps. I get so excited. Just no, like, all uh, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. So I jump out. You know, you're happy and then you're scared. And then you're thinking more like the mental impact of this. You're like, why, why is this okay? Like, and then, so I took me a second to kind of regroup. And then everyone's there and they're about to, it's about to mount me. He was docking you. And I was yeah. like, ah, we got time. So I did a couple more flips. Yeah. Kind of threw everybody off because every camera, everything got in place. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm dropping faster because you're, you're flipping. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I opened up and I opened up where I was supposed to be arching so they could kind of drop down to me. I opened up flat. And at the time I was like thin and long. So it's like hard for them. So now they had to like climb up to get back to where I was. Um, so all this, so they're trying to, he's trying to figure out how to hook on. But since I'm so flat, I'm wobbling. I'm not like, I'm, so not, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not arching. I'm you're not arching. Like chip. Yeah. So he can't get anything hooked. So the camera guy who's in front of me gets, he loses me because he was like trying to hold me stable. And then he, so my cue for, hey, Plammer, pulled your parachute is him letting go. But he didn't mean to let go. Oh, like he kind of lost control. Oh. It was like, oh, I don't want to mess him up more as I'm up here. So he took off. So I reached back and grabbed Plammer. Well, I grabbed both of his arms. So if you look on the video, we start into a track. He hadn't had me... Hooked up yet? Hooked yet. I had one hook. I, you I, pinned I, his arm into a trap. And I pinned his <laughs> arm back. So we're in a trap. And I'm like, why aren't we opening? And then, you know, eventually he got it figured out and he, you know, rode me for a little bit on the way down, and then opened. So That's it crazy. all worked out. But yeah. he's seriously. <laughs> so wait, I'm like, wait, what I'm holding on for dear life. And he's like, we're going in. Uh, what, what, what was the moments after like canopy opens? He's just like, you fuck. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. The dialogue He's like, what? Like, were you trying to kill yourself? Like, dude, it's my job to catch you. I was like, no, like we did, we jumped out, we got stable, we did a couple flips. He's like, no, that's, I thought you were just trying to get away last time. I didn't want you to do the, like, reenact your <laughs> test jump. <laughs> ah. Jeez. Pastor Phil. This, this is insane. This is insane. You are well, a man, Travis Pastrana. <laughs> this story, like, like he told he told me this whole thing when we were at Olympus like two weeks ago, and I was just like, mind blind. What? Yeah. What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody needed to hear it. Hear it. Well, hear and, it. and also, it kind of looks like because if I remember watching the video, you just kind of like 
bail like out. It's not like you're like everybody ready. Oh you no, just kind of you just, just was huck out. And everybody's like, oh, I, guess <laughs> I guess we're going. I guess we're going. No, like, but what really sucked was when I opened the can because the the door was open. All the it it covered the camera lens, so all uh, the pictures are like a little bit blurry and yeah. stuff. And then yeah, no one was really ready. I didn't look. <laughs> yep. Feels good. Let's go. <laughs> I was never getting it's planned. It's funny because something of that magnitude, normally people would have like a professionally built harness and you just you just kind of sent it. So I went to um it's like uh I could be like REI or something and went went there and I was like, hey, so um yeah, what's your strongest harness like rated for? Like rock climb harness. I'm like, okay, but they're like, oh, don't drop the uh if you drop the carabiners, you know, they might crack and then they're, they're not good. So just don't do that. So like these carabiners, I had in my care, I put them in bubble wrap and I didn't let anyone touch the carabiners <laughs> until I like, I'm like, here, take these. And then Plammer drops them on the ground. I was like, the guy told me, he's like, they're so fine. I dropped them. <laughs> was there a contingency plan if you couldn't get hooked up just to like backfly and just like put your arms in between a shoot and hold on like a, like a, like a koala bear? No, there was, I mean, it's. It was like, like plan a, B. No, it's plan, it's, plan dude, it's going it's, to work. Yeah, yeah. Like plan B was like worst case scenario, like everything goes, aim for when the waves were breaking, because then it's like I always thought, you know, so we jumped like as highest I've ever gone is 100 feet. But a lot of the guys have jumped, you know, 130 feet, 100 and whatever. And you're literally gonna maximum velocity and you're going in at 90 miles an hour, say give or take, from from like 130 feet. So if you can fly flat, it's 120. Yeah, I mean, it's 30 miles an hour more, which is, is impactful, but I, I don't So were you literally just going to get long, like pitch helmet and just I was be like, get, catch all the air and then last minute tuck or last something? Last minute tuck, point your toes, land in the wave as it's breaking. I'm not Shoot good enough fire. to ever do that, but in my head, that was like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get plan A. <laughs> yeah. Plan B is looking real iffy. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know actually. So terminal velocity compared to how those high jumpers are. That's interesting because you're, you're playing then, right? When the wave breaks, it's providing more of a, a, a buffer before like you hit the water. Oh, like you've got the, 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 uh, the skin of the water is broken. So yeah. like uh, the big, the big airs that they go into water, they've got air being pumped into there because it, it disrupts. So you can go into the water yeah. smoother and, and it doesn't hurt. I mean, if you, you, if you don't if have you that can slap. Go from yeah. 60 feet on skis, I mean, skis don't, they're not going to, and if it goes through because of it's aerated, like it makes sense. I mean, honestly, my plan was faulty because it was probably only six feet deep, even where the wave was. And I would have just slammed the ground really hard and then it washed up on shore. But it sounded good in my head as like a plan B, but knowing how good these guys were, it was one of those things where it was one of the safest things that I've done. And yes, I, I'm sorry, FAA, I'm sorry, uh, USPA and, and everything else. And I was able to work my license back to make sure that no one else does something as dumb as that ever in the future. That's fair. And yes. I, I think that most people would, would agree with that sentiment. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How did, what did the, there's the one guy that flew in, no parachute to land in the net. Was that, that was overseas or something, right? In Europe? Yeah. No, no, that, no, that was here in the, Arizona. that was here in the U S. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, actually he just, uh, so whole different stories, but yeah. Uh, so, uh, him and his cousin, they just tried to jump out. Um, planes. The planes and switch, and they yeah, lost their pilot's license. So FAA, they're they're pretty strict on this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so Luke, Luke is he's amazing. Um, absolutely, he's such a great guy. Um, he actually took my re uh, skydiving for the first time. We we jumped out. Yeah. Uh, they're right next to the Washington, uh, the Olympus rally. Oh, heck yeah. Um, but yeah, really disappointing to see that the the one plane they it didn't work out. And now they're in 
they're in big trouble. But I found that you're able to kind of work your way back in if you just try to do the right things. Maybe just kind of sign the dotted line that says, I will never jump out of a plane without of a parachute voluntarily. <laughs> the problem and is you can't be. And litter can. Yeah. That's the big yeah, one. Yeah, that was why you got in trouble. Probably yes. more than likely. It's, yeah, big, it's a big deal. <laughs> this is, it's an amazing story. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the good thing is we'll have many years of uh, friendship and partnership going forward to do some crazy good things, hopefully inspire some people and serve great coffee. So I'm excited for it. Dude, I couldn't, couldn't be more excited to be right here with you guys and uh, going forward to do some really awesome stuff with this guy. I'm ready yeah. to poop myself uh, <laughs> in your razor and then maybe on a motorcycle Absolutely. in yeah. a couple weeks. Heck yeah, this is going to be... And, and he's got a tattoo artist coming out too. Oh, oh perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah. left. Before we end the show, I do want you... Because you said you had all your friends tattoos. So I have an allocated left right here in my quad. These are all uh, my... Wait, did you get Matt Hoffman tattoo you right there? No, but this is where this my is, friends can tattoo me. No, I, that that I got the same tattoo you have. But this the, the can we, we just, become, we were just we gonna say, say, oh dude, everybody has them. Whoa, the, I got the same tattoo. Dude, you got dude, gonna say wait, you have crew to get tattoo. This. this is our. You have thing. to earn that tattoo. Yeah. You have to be a part of the crew to what get that. No, no, no. That, that's live, live to die happy. Oh yeah, sick. I know yeah. like the the symbolism of it. But uh, I had no. When did this? What? So I've had that for this two years. Where's your, where's your? Sign me up. I'm, I'm getting it next week. You yeah, are you gonna be out there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. let's do it. He's he I'm just this. you 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 because I tattoo that on people. You drive your dirt bike and I'll be on the back yes. tattooing you while you yes. while you hit. It'll be really well, bad. That just but, made yeah. the video. Wow. <laughs> I feel like brotherhood. Yeah. <laughs> Where you have one? Really? I was literally yeah. just and gonna tell you. You have to get him by Matt Huffman. Yeah, that is so cool. So, but my awesome. uh, my daughter, uh, when she was my oldest, when she was seven, uh, tattooed. I said, "Draw whatever you feel like represents you." So, for some reason, she drew a cat watching television, which I don't feel sense. like. I mean, she's never really watches TV. I don't know, but they're well, pretty cat, connected so. to cats. <laughs> cats, yes. Yeah, they haven't put the cats down. They love the cats at your house. Yeah. <laughs> so she drew, and then we we're like, "That doesn't look like TV." So she just she started writing the T in the TV. So now it says TV in the TV. Mm. So my other daughter's seven now and wants to add on to, to that. So my left leg is going to eventually be a, a sketch up of my seven-year-olds. <laughs> I, think, I think that that's awesome. That's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would get the tattoo that's on Lux's car. Like, <laughs> like she good. draws yeah. pretty cool stuff. <laughs> oh, she drew that, yeah. 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 Well, dude, all right, let's go, let's go do more coffee stuff and, and make this hilarious Father's Day commercial that you wrote. It's, it's going to be fun. Yes. <laughs> dude, Director? Sure. All right. I, I have, I said, By chance, do you have a bazooka? He writes back. He goes, I have two. Yeah. You, not what I was expecting. I mean, I think it's like an AC4 body, but yeah, bazooka. It's a lot. It's a lot, body. It's a lot, body. It works. All right. Uh, thanks, guys. Awesome. Uh, I just want to say thanks so much, guys, for having me here. I'm like a, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive fan of not only Travis Pastrana, but of you guys and what Black Ruffle does. So. Um, man, uh, probably the it's one of the best days of my life is being here involved with you guys. So <laughs> serious, I'm like, I'm stoked. So thank you guys. Dude, today's gonna be a fun day. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> Cheers. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Drum titties, boy!